Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. <laughs> yep, 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 everybody. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you know, that's my new catchphrase. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> You'll get it. Yeah. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it reminds me of being in, uh, in Europe a lot of times. A lot of people think, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Especially yep. people in the yep. Netherlands. Yep. That and wearing yep. funny yep. shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yep. We, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We got a button for it. See, it's easy. Nice. Part of the deal. There you go. Well, and uh, part of the deal is also uh, Northern Brewer. They are a part of this big deal, certainly. Yes. Yes. And like the advertisement uh, says, I like uh, Northern Brewer staff. Yeah, they got a nice staff there. Good staff. Yeah. It's... Northern Brewer. They got a big staff. <laughs> you know, it, it, to run all that operation. Complex, yes. Big and. Healthy, yes, healthy, and they and they know how to use that 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 staff. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a good group of folks yeah. there. They they get the Milwaukee store. Justin and I have been been out well, there. Well, would yeah. be two staffs then. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they get a, a Milwaukee staff. They got the uh, Minneapolis uh, St. Paul staff there. Hmm. That's also a nice store. They get the big warehouse. We've been there for that. They had the BNA uh, five there. Yeah, yeah, big party there. Yeah. Uh, Did good, you see Jake out at? Uh, um, Crap Brewers Conference? I did. Yeah, he was hanging did. out. Saw him, saw him just for a minute. I didn't... The funny thing is, I didn't see you there at right. all. We, <laughs> I, we never do I know, it. I know you were there. I think that's happened for like three years, every conference or... <laughs> GABF. I, yeah. I see you in the elevator for 20 seconds every year. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, happened. yeah, oh, yeah, hey, you doing it. And then, you know, that's it. Yeah. We're off uh, two different worlds. Yeah. Well, now you're in the. Uh, you were there doing some real research this time, not just dicking around. That's right. So. Yeah, it was the first time I was there as a professional. Right. Brewer. Right. <laughs> well, which is really funny, but uh, yeah, it was it was cool. I I really enjoyed it. A lot of uh, a lot of neat stuff there. I heard that you did an excellent job as the moderator of the yeast panel. No. I heard. Uh, I, I checked up on it the next morning, and everyone said you were you were the man for the job because you just really, uh, you know, you're no longer just asking questions for the home brewer on mm-hmm. the on the east side. So people really enjoyed your uh, contribution to that. Oh, cool! Yeah, I got people that came up and said, "Hey, yeah, you did a really good job on it." And I was thinking, well, they're just being nice. No, no. I uh, uh, well, and some of the panelists told me too, but I I know that the room was packed to the hilt. Yeah, and, stand uh, room only. Yeah, and that people were really enjoying the whole thing. So yeah, we uh, had a really good panel. Did you yeah. go to that one, Chad? To the no, East panel? No, I missed that one. Yeah, you missed a good one. I hear yeah. you guys were were dishing out some gems. 
Yeah, so. it's like on this show. <laughs> we're we're like spewing the out the, the gem. jewelry store. Right? Gem, like pearl necklaces all over the place. <laughs> yes. It's gem laden. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I had a great time there, and uh, it was really cool. Uh, you know, it had a different vibe <laughs> for me with the whole, you know, I felt like, oh, I need to learn something. I need to, you know, be doing work. I need to... <laughs> Right. I need to be serious about stuff. That'll and, go away in a year. Yeah. Well, and, and then, so, uh, you know, we're sporting the Heretic gear. We're looking, yeah. looking pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and people yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, Heretic. And I got a lot of people coming up and, and uh, saying hi and stuff like that. And then, uh, so, easily identifiable. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going up this one escalator. We're kind of hurrying to get to lunch. And I got to, ah, oh, I got to run back up to my room to get, uh, you know, something or, or whatever. Rub one be. out. Yeah. <laughs> you rub one out. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going up this little stubby little escalator. And I decide to, you know, I'm going to take a step up, you know, to kind of hurry. I'm going to kind of, you know, <laughs> advance up the escalator. You know, I've done this many times before. <laughs> no problem. I'm 100% stone cold sober at this place. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning. I have not had anything to drink. And I take a step, and I don't know if my shoelace got caught or the tip of my toe got caught on the thing, but I start going straight over. I'm headed right face first onto the uh, sharp edges of the escalator. Uh, I'm like, oh, you know, so I try and get my other foot out there to kind of like stop mm. myself from hitting this thing. But the escalator's moving up at a pretty good clip. And, <laughs> and, and then I get, you know, like my other foot up there. I'm just, just trying to stop myself from going face first onto this thing. And. While doing that, I'm kind of like running up the escalator. <laughs> yeah. And I reach the top of this thing and I am launched in the air. I am flying what? through the air at the end of the escalator and I land in a heap right in front of a security guard. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, and I hear, you know, there's a bunch of people around and, and I hear this, oh. <laughs> I'm looking around like, oh my God. Oh. You're thinking, Look, the heretic guy's drunk. <laughs> yeah. It's only 11 o'clock in the morning. He's already fallen off the escalator. Well, the heretic's doing that shit then. I'm like, oh, crap. That's the worst. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my God. He's like, are you okay? (laughs) I'm like, fine, fine, fine. And everyone's like, I'm pretty sure that was Jamil. (laughs) (laughs) Crap. Oh, man. Uh, We're flying. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I launched in the air. I was like three well, feet up yeah, in the air. yeah, you had your own momentum, and then you had the escalator. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you probably had got the escalator sort of like uh, locked up for a second there, and it had to get caught up, and it really launched you, you know? <laughs> right. Maybe. So used to that wear and tear you were putting on it. That was like freaking Superman. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't put your back out on that one. Uh, yeah, just jam my knee in my elbow. Well, you saved your face, you know, <laughs> for what it's worth. The, the important part. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, people would like to see that. But. Yeah, well, you have a radio show to do, so. <laughs> and I've got the face for radio. I need to preserve it. You know, <laughs> absolutely. All right, so uh, today we're uh, going to be covering uh, by high demand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Endless requests. People have been asking, you know, how we actually uh, make these clones clones. And we're like, well, you know, this is really a show. We're just going to do the clones and all that. And But, you know, a lot of people, they want to go off and do their own. They're, you know, curious, you know, tips and tricks 
because you know people will brew these beers sometimes and they're not getting them cloned or they get a recipe from a brewery and they're like well they told me this was a recipe but it's not coming out the same you know they they lied to me they didn't give me some ingredient it's like why would they do that they would just tell you no they would like you know oh they lied to me to get rid of me it's like <laughs> i don't think so i think maybe you need to look at your process and and so uh, this show is uh, going to be dedicated to going over some of those uh, aspects of how you clone a beer. What 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 tricks are we using here to ensure that we get uh, you know such a high success rate in cloning? It's a good topic. Uh, I'm always fascinated by the process, especially because you guys have a pretty damn good track record. So I think it's a topic to because there's a lot of technique involved, and I think that. Uh, Listeners have been and you know wondering about that for a while. It sounds mm-hmm. like so it'll be good to pick your guys' brain about how the heck you do this every time. All right. Um, so I kind of wanted to go through and interview you guys about this, and and because I just because I have some of my own questions. Plus we got some listener questions, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously let's start with um, how you even think about the clone. Now, now something that came up right in the beginning of of this program when we started Candy Brew a couple years ago was, uh, oh well, well you're interviewing the brewers, so um, not that difficult to clone a beer, then, is it? If you're getting all the answers, but as we found through several failures of the show, it doesn't right. matter how much information we get. Um, it's still pretty possible to fail at a clone. Sure. Well, even if you get the information from the brewer. You know, just getting the information in the right format and and making sure you have all the information you need is a critical part of, um, you know, cloning the beer. So, you know, it's not enough to say, hey, give me your recipe. And then they go ahead and give you the recipe in whatever format they have. And a lot of times they'll they'll give you percentages or they'll work it down for you to a, to a homebrew size batch. Right. And they're just doing this to be nice. You know, they're like, oh, you know, if I give it to them in, you know, 100 barrel measurements it's kind of like a screw you to the guy oh I, I better better go ahead and take my time out of my work day and calculate it down for him and give it to him and they're just trying to be nice but a lot of times that's not what you want because any sort of rounding that's going on is going to kind of mess you up and we found that with a couple of beers um you know john mayer at rogue you know wonderful guy generous to a to a fault you know he gave us, uh, you know, percentages on stuff. And if you're talking about something like a, um, you know, a, a black barley, something like that, you know, in the Shakespeare Stout, you got to make sure you've, you know, the difference between, you know, if somebody tells you it's 1% and it's actually, you know, it was 1.4% or it was actually, you know, 0.7% and they've rounded that's a huge difference on a on a malt like that. That's really going to change the character of the beer in our batch size, right? Because right. for him, well, it's nothing. Any, any batch size. Though. Oh, I see. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. if you know that that percentage. So, really, what you want to do when you're when you're getting that kind of recipe is, hey, um, uh, you know, give me what we what I like to ask. What I've I realized is, tell me your batch size, and then you know how much wort are you you know getting into the kettle. And then tell me, you know, how much grain goes into it. Just give me your measurements. Hmm. You know, give me, you know, it's a thousand pounds or it's, you know, 10 sacks or whatever it might be. And then I've got the exact amounts. And then, you know, I work the math on that to very precisely. And I, when the recipes are done up for this show, we do them in grams. 
So, you know, it's however many grams. And that way you can be very precise in, in your measurements. Okay. You know, and that's a critical part, I think, of getting the recipe correct from the brewer. Okay. You've got to ask about that. You've got to ask about the process. You've got to ask about the fermenters. You know, all that's going to affect how you brew it yourself. Right. Okay. Well, in the case of this show, and I think like a lot of our listeners, they can tune in and find out how you did it and get all the answers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are beers that we haven't done, and they have to just clone a beer by taste. That's happened to us on this program with beers like Arrogant Bastard, for example, where uh, Mitch Steele will come in from Stone and, and give us as much as he can, but he's not allowed to give you the recipe. Right. So what's the difference for you guys in how you approach a beer between uh, getting to interview a brewer who's happy to give you the recipe and not having the recipe? How do you approach... Because those are two very different animals. Right. <laughs> well, it's, now, it's Tasty, well, I know uh, you've tackled Arrogant Bastard the most, so... Well, I've thought about it a lot, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the uh, first thing we did, uh, I think it was a smart thing to do, is we sat down at a at a place and had arrogant bastard on draft and just sat there and drank it all right thinking about what's in it right like what malts are we tasting yeah what do you taste in there yeah you know a lot of we tasted it warm we tasted it cold we stirred it up we smelled it so we you know analyzed as much as we could we probed it <laughs> probed it and uh through yeah so we and then uh i think we thought at that time we thought we had you know a pretty good approach he's like wow this this looks like it could be it in terms of the Especially the malts. I think we'd already pretty much assumed the hops we had right and uh, mm-hmm. IBUs and things like that. Uh, turns out it wasn't right, and it, I don't know, it kind of left us in a like, well, that approach didn't work kind of feel you know, to it. Right, so, right. Uh, then we got into like, well, let's just get some grains and start tasting them, or we did a mm-hmm. the tincture thing over at your place, Jimmy. Right, yeah, so what we did was... Uh uh, and and this works to some extent. You, what you do is you take uh, I took like a hundred grams of each of the specialty malts we thought might be in there, mm-hmm. and some that we thought, well, maybe you know, maybe it could be in there, you know, just on the off chance. And then I I added it to like two hundred fifty mils of water and just let it steep over you know a day or two in the refrigerator kind of cold steep these and what you get out of that is um you get the flavor of those malts but it it's kind of wordy tasting it's it's kind of an uncooked unfermented yeah. kind of character so it's not really 100 percent true but the character tends to be the same and if you can get past that wordy unfermented kind of so what about thing, the after flavor if you get past right. the sugar that's there and let's right. taste the, the malt yeah. and then uh, we used uh, stone ipa as our base Okay, and then it was just a matter of dosing Stone IPA with these various tinctures. Uh, ran them through a coffee filter, and uh, you know, dosed the the, the various uh, samples until we had something. And it's like you know, that's the flavor and color of Arian Bastard. Yeah, we use color as, as a guideline for sure to uh, you know make sure we didn't overdo it with a dark malt. So uh-huh. and that seemed. What we did is came up with one specialty malt, right? Right. We did the special B. It seemed like yeah. this is it. It tasted like it. Right. It's real close. We did the show, and everybody said cloned except for you. <laughs> right. I don't think we could get it past. No. Yeah. And I still <laughs> stick to that. But. Yeah. We're hoping I, to find out. I think the thing we messed up on on that was we weren't using the standard stone hopping Regimen, yeah, yeah. which they have a standard that they do of bittering and you know a certain amount, certain measures and certain amounts and uh, you know certain timing, 
And I think that we had the hop right. It's Chinook. But we didn't have the – I mean, we used a different hopping sequence. And somebody yeah. actually called me on that. Uh, a listener emailed me. And I think we were – I think it works out to be about the same the way we did it. But he's like, hey, why didn't you use the, the, the same good. thing they're using in all our – their yeah. beers, they have like a a set hop uh, hmm. thing that they 30 do, thirty and fifteen or whatever they're doing. Right, yeah. and uh, I think he's one hundred percent right. I think that listener is one hundred percent right that yeah. if we did that, we'd we'd be in there. So the first thing, so what I'm hearing uh, as a as more of a beginner is the first thing to do is to l- find as much information about how they brew their other beers as possible because that chances are that they're going to do some similar things or that they're using the similar malts. Yeah, so you know, English, a lot of places. Yeah, they, you know, they use one base malt. I mean, store you know, storing multiple base malts is a problem, mm-hmm. and then you know, for every specialty malt that you have to stock. You know, the the more of a problem that is as well. It takes up more space, takes up more money. It's, you know, another thing to hassle with. So you can generally assume that they're sharing the same ingredients for multiple beers. A lot of times they okay. will. I mean, they might bring in something for, for other beers, but, you know, they're not going to, you know, a lot of times they won't bring in one base malt for one beer. Right. You know, they'll just use what base malt they have. Okay. Well, and so that's a question I have, it, you know, just down to the basics of a beer. Uh, are you just, are you always assuming, you know, some kind of two row in these ales? Is it, how do you decide between an American and a British if you haven't been given that information and I want to clone a beer? What are the characteristics you're looking for to even figure out what the base malt right. is? Well, I think, you know, assuming domestic two-row is a good a good assumption most of the time. Okay. But, uh, you know, if you taste something in the beer that would, you know, make you think of, you know, an English pale malt or something like that or a Pilsner, then certainly, you know, that's, that's a possibility because there are a number of breweries that will do something like that. Okay. So if it's a subtle flavor, in a, in a way it doesn't matter like because it's going to be subtle. When you if you drink can't the beer, yeah, if you can't taste it then, then don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> right exactly so if you taste it then yeah use English yeah okay all right let's do this let's take a break and uh, we'll get back with uh, more questions about uh, cloning it on Canyon Brett back after this hi I have a sixer of Lagunitas in the ice box my roommate's gone for the weekend and I'm wearing something flimsy listen baby I told you not to call me after eight I'll talk to you tomorrow I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? You loser. Shut up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my art? Sir, if you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. The hurricane furnace is using propane while you guys talk. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. Nope, it's scorched. What do you do? Frack, scoop it out and try again. Thug, use your mass rake. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, sir. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (gasps) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted ale and the collector's item super alt mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box make 10th level at northernbrewer.com 
I love beer. I'm a brewer. I brew it. I drink it. It's in my blood, really. I'm that guy that pours malt extract on his pancakes. I wish I could just put a good brew in my pocket and take it with me. Now you can. Hey, brewers and beer lovers. Why not eat the energy bar invented by a home brewer using the same ingredients in your brew? Introducing Brew Bar Energy Bars, spelled B-R-U-B-A-R. Malt, oats, vanilla, nuts, cinnamon, coconut. You've put them in your beer, and you'll find them in your Brew Bar Energy Bar. All natural, made with simple ingredients chosen for the highest quality. They're new, different, and have a rich malty flavor and smooth, moist texture, just like a fine craft brew. You can find Brew Bar Energy Bars at BrewBar.com or find a retailer near you. And if you are a retailer, you should contact them and find out how you can sell Brew Bar Energy Bars. Check them out at BrewBar.com. That's B-R-U-B-A-R.com. And follow them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BrewBar. Remember, it's in your Brew Bar Energy Bar because it's in your brew. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has homebrewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. White Labs. It's all in the vial. BN Army, you think you're badass? Well, you are, kind of, like badass, but without the balls to blow something up. Hop Tech in patriotic Dublin, California, recognizes your nearly badassness with a BN Army discount on every order. But there's something those boys and girls in the real Army should know. If you have an APO address or a scan of an active PX card, Hop Tech salutes you as an actual badass and offers their things with a 15% discount on every purchase. That's the Hop Tech way of saying thanks. To all active military personnel, 15% off ingredients, kits, equipment, as well as games, books, gifts, and more, all at HopTech.com. Whichever army you're a member of, any branch of the military, or the BN Army, HopTech in Dublin says thank you with great discounts. Call 800-DRY-HOPS, visit the store in Dublin, California, or go to HopTech.com. HopTech, serving homebrewers for 28 years. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Now 
back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're talking about the process that we use to uh, clone beers here on uh, Can You Brew It? And, you know, one of the other things that we're going to do, the uh, Brew Strong crowd, the Brew Strong staff, the fine, strong, large staff of Brew Strong is going to be at the uh, Cleveland International Beer Fest. Mm. It's coming up uh, May 13th and 14th. Uh, it's going to be at the IX Center, which is right there at the airport, I think. I looked on Google Maps. And uh, it's going to be pretty cool. Like 800 beers, 200 breweries, three sessions. Mm-hmm. Sounds you, like guys, G- you guys sound thrilled. Sounds like the GABF of the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of Cleveland. Uh, the GABF of Cleveland, absolutely. And you can get your tickets. Though. That's right, international. Yeah. Uh, www.ixbeerfest.com. It's going to be on the on uh, the Saturday or no on the Friday, uh, May thirteenth. Uh, we're going to do a live brew strong there with uh, me and Palmer, eight to nine p.m. And then uh, uh, Saturday, I'm going to be there presenting the awards during the awards ceremony from two o'clock to three thirty. And then uh, on uh, Saturday as well, later that evening, I'm going to host a, a VIP, VIP beer experience thing uh, f- sometime between 7 and 11. Yeah, they're not sure. Yet. They're going to get back to us. Right. I'm going to have an hour where it's going to be. And they asked me, I think, uh, what kind of beers I'd like to have. They You're list. picking the beers for your VIP beer experience. There you go. That's pretty rad, wow. actually. How, how many Come people in. are going to be drinking? I mean, is it a... I'll be naked. You can touch me. <laughs> and it will be oh. an experience for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Full on contact there. Full on contact. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why. Well, uh, warm, a, warm, warm why up I with your escalator pick, story. Pick, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Show my escalator scars. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Full contact fest. <laughs> Full contact. We're going to be there. Cleveland International Beer Fest. So if you get a chance, get some tickets and come on out. We'll be we'll hanging out. It's going to be me, Palmer, Justin's going to be there. We're going to have the Moscow. Yep. And uh, we'll all be hanging out, drinking beer when we're not doing this stuff. Yes. We only we only have to do the show for an hour. Right. You got to you had to work more because you got to do the awards thing. Right, yeah, right, right. The rest of us will be hanging out drinking beer. Yeah, I got a total of uh, one, two and a half, uh, three and a half hours of work over a course of over like course three of, days yeah. for you. I think. Yeah, I'm flying in Thursday night. I'm flying out Sunday morning. So yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there. Maybe you know, Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame or something. I don't know. <laughs> I check it out. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So uh, if you're in the area, uh, you know, or you're within a drive get some tickets and come on out and see us we'd love to see you there for sure all right uh so where were we on uh, this whole cloning process thing well i have another question about kind of uh, you know wh- whether you're interviewing or not whether you found a recipe somewhere and you're doing this clone i've noticed that you do something jameel when you when you give me a recipe or give some oh. of the other guys recipes and and that is saying you know I'm doing something like under the <laughs> well no I'll I'll find that you'll mm-hmm. you'll interview a brewer who right. will give you everything you've asked for mm-hmm. and then when you give me the recipe sometimes like, you'll ignore say, what they said well you won't you'll adjust it you'll yeah. say something like so the brewer said to use two grams of centennial in in the uh, wherever mm-hmm. and you'll go but after tasting the beer. And scaling it down, I think you should use two and a half grams. 
You'll right, occasionally right. make these adjustments, and you always say it like it depends on it's because my batch is smaller and you've right. tasted the beer. So I want to know what it is that you're doing. And it's process and things like that. So that's that's why we ask the you know the batch size that they're doing, the kind of fermenters they're using, you know, the size of the fermenters or, you know, uh, how long their whirlpool is. Especially the whirlpool. This is an interesting thing that we've we've discovered is um you know when they when you whirlpool hops hot, especially if it's um, you know over 170 some odd degrees, you're still isomerizing the alpha acid, so it's still developing bittering. And so you know when you have these uh, you know whirlpool additions and they're whirlpooling for 30 minutes hot, it's still developing bittering. It's you know converting some of the f- flavor aroma compounds, driving off some. All that changes. So instead of you know, traditionally, what what I think all of us would have done when we when we start out, some some commercial brewer told us, well, we do whirlpool hops, uh, we throw in an ounce at uh, you know whatever. That's what we do. We turn off the flame, we throw in the ounce, we start our chilling and and stuff like that. But we're not uh, you know whirlpooling hot. We're cooling down right then. Mm-hmm. So what they, you know, because of that, um, we figured out well if they're whirlpooling for you know 20 minutes hot let's move those hop additions back uh you know like 15 minutes and it's yeah it's variable it's it's you know you just kind of guess based off of you know the flavor that you're getting in the the beer and and you're thinking about it it's like well if i move these hops too far back i i'm not gonna get quite right so but we move back in the in the schedule to develop the flavor and the bittering and all that Okay. So to right. keep it at the hot temperature and isomerizing right, longer. Right. right. Okay. And, you know, I think there's a difference between an active boil yeah. volatilizing a lot of the aroma compounds versus a whirlpool. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get quite the same volatilization of those compounds. But still, you have to develop the bitterness. So you you have to, you know, it's it's kind of a compromise one way or the other. And, you know, you'll move it back in time a little bit or not. Or maybe even more forward, or maybe you split it up and move some back and and dose just a little bit towards the the end. You know, if you're really trying to uh, be precise about it. Okay. So these these little tweaks that you make, even though you guys have been given the exact recipe, right. are almost always due to process. Right. You're- well, and in and size of the you know what they're doing. A good example is fermentation. So almost always we're changing fermentation. Okay. We started out, uh, you know, if if it's a brew pub and they're doing, you know, seven barrel batches, you know, it's not as much hydrostatic, you know, pressure on the yeast, and you pretty much can go with the same temperature that they're doing. When it gets up to something like stone, and they're doing, you know, they have what three hundred and thirty barrel fermenters, something like that. Yeah, real tall and narrow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure on the yeast, and it, it changes. It really, you know, restricts ester production and things like that. So, um, you know, Mitchell tell us, hey, you know, seventy-two degrees Fahrenheit. That's what they ferment at. And if you try and ferment at seventy-two degrees <laughs> with the the yeast that we think is, you know, most similar to to theirs, which is the the dry English, um, the O seven, uh, you know, you'll develop rocket fuel so 
<clears throat> because of that, and you don't have that pressure, mm-hmm. we dial down on stone beers to what, 67, 65, yeah, around in there? Maybe cooling in at 65, and yeah, Way 67. Down. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, you know, a huge difference. Now, the more you scale it back, somebody's only in like a 100 barrel fermenter, <laughs> only at a 100 barrel fermenter, you know, we might do a smaller temperature difference. And so, you know, sometimes it's going to take you a couple of shots to get it right. But that gives you some idea of the kind of the range, and you're yeah. gonna you're gonna you may have need to change pitching rates or temperature or something like that to match yeah, it up. Right, restrain the fermentation I, by temperature or pressure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the difference. Okay. Now, Tasty, you get yelled at for artistic license, but it sounds to me like sometimes <laughs> well, you rule. taste it, <laughs> yeah. and and you know your system, and you know your ingredients pretty damn well too. Yeah. So there is an occasion where you look at a recipe, and it sounds like you question it. Even though the brewer has given it, you still have your own well, I, kind of instinct. I might have doubts, but I don't. I usually, you know, go with what it says. I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason to, you know. Well, now I don't you, have, Now that we've yelled at you several times, <laughs> well, I might have. But what I'm getting at made is a change is that, here and there. Yeah, is, is that a knowledgeable brewer might look at a recipe and say, "Well, my system won't do it right. if I do it that way." Right. Well, I have. You know, I'll change my process. Like if uh, mm. some guys don't do an extended whirlpool, well, then I just didn't right. do extended whirlpool. I would okay. You know, let those uh, IBUs just get thrown away. Just we'll take a get the word right off of them real quick, like those, a lot of people that homebrew actually still do. I don't. I surprise it. Well, we're just kind of this is sort of just becoming uh, what just getting out, if you will. I'm, I'm talking to lots of commercial brewers about hop uh, utilization in the whirlpool, and a lot of them don't think it's really happening. And uh, and and by the way, we are talking just about pellet hops, right? We haven't even. Whole hops are a whole different story mm-hmm. on on the whirlpool utilization, okay. right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I think homebrewers uh, have to think like, well, okay, if you extend the whirlpool, you can put in fewer hops. So I think that's something just in general. Um, you know, they could say well, instead of two ounces of flame out, I could put an ounce of flame out if I just extend the whirlpool. So in some ways, it's a way to you know incorporate some of the stuff that we're actually getting from these brewers into the into, into their own process well as far as bittering goes but you know flavor and aroma that's, yeah. you know that's that's much trickier yeah. I mean, bittering you can you know adjust you can actually do your bittering there is a difference between bittering early on and bittering later on i think sure. but um you know the the bittering becomes sharper and harsher the longer you go but uh, you know you could pretty much kind of just mess around until you get the bittering right that's not a problem. the The harder part about bittering, I think, is really fermentation, pitching rates, things like that. You know, residual malt, all that really plays a big role in getting the bittering right. More so than figuring out how much to dump in. I think that's the easier part. And bittering is pretty forgiving as well. It is. But side by side, you can taste. You know, a couple IBUs. I know they say five IBUs before you notice a, a difference in bittering. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen that written, but. I can taste a you know an IBU difference between two beers, hmm. and that is you know it, it when you when you got them side by side and it's a beer that you know doesn't have a lot of other things going on in it you can really pick that out. Okay, I think I think just about anybody can do that. Okay, I don't think that's anything special. So, but it's just you know if you're drinking a beer and then you drink the beer later on, you, you have five IBUs difference. Yeah, you'd still call it cloned. Okay. Now, maybe something we can cover quickly, because I know we've talked about it on the shows, and we've made errors about it. I know that I made an error about it when I did a clone, 
And that is, you're, you're given all the ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be two-row, it's supposed to be centennial, it's supposed to be this yeast. But sometimes we'll go get the same ingredient, but from a different supplier. No, yeah. So yeah, how yeah. important is it when you guys are designing these recipes now to find out, okay, now you say domestic two-row, but mm-hmm. who's domestic two-row? Oh, you know, that's, that could be critical. And, you know, it depends on the beer. And some, you know, big, bold, flavorful beer where there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of specialty malts, you know, the supplier of domestic two-row, that's that's okay. You know, the, you can switch out domestic two-row suppliers and it's okay. not so bad. But when you get into the pale malts, you know, the, the pale ale malts and things like that. And, and, the, beer. and the pilsners and then... And, and, uh, well, even someone like the Odell's, um, Sony was asking me to help them with the 90 shilling. And it has this real, you know, biscuity character to it that is like American biscuit malt. Mm -hmm. If yeah, or American, uh, based, uh, you know, it's like a domestic British pale ale malt. I see. And when you, it's got a kind of a distinct, real grainy kind of, biscuity character to it it's different than the the british malts like the crisp and all that but you know so it's very distinct so stuff like that i think it's critical and you know we found a huge difference between like a domestic crystal malt or or something like that and a you know a a true british you know crystal malt like the simpsons or something like that it's huge difference in flavor and color massive I was in Australia. I was at uh, the uh, homebrew shop in Melbourne, uh, Grain and Grape, and people. Uh, one guy brought in a uh, a clone from uh, the Shakespeare Stout, I think it was, uh, and he wanted me to bring the the beer back to JP to try. Okay, right? yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no way, I'm I'm not bringing it back. I'm I, I got a limited beer baggage room, and mm. I'm not. You know, bring right. a clone back for JP. Sorry. But I tasted it with him there. Real nice guy. And he's like, you know, I'm not getting the right color. I'm not getting the right, you know, flavor. And I tasted it. And it was, it was like light brownish, you know, and the Shakespeare Stout is, you know, mm. dark black. Mm. This was, I mean, this you could see through it. You could probably read through it. Wow. I'm like, wow. You, know, you, got, you definitely have some problems here. And he's like, uh, he was using a uh, an Australian, one Australian malt company on, you know, like the, uh, one of the chocolate malts or something like that. And he's like, yeah, you know, in the homebrew shop, they go, yeah, it's completely different. And they list it as the same color. Okay. And they give it the same name. But when you hold it side by side in your hand, you can see, you know, a dark, consistent color through, you know, one. And the other one is kind of like a mottled mm-hmm. kind of color. And the flavor difference is dramatic. Okay. So, you know, choosing the right ingredient. And, and that's one of the things when, when we talked about tweaking things and we're, we're talking about how you change things up based on knowing your process. The one thing I think we almost never change is the grist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pretty much remains the same. I think, you know, maybe you would tweak that a little bit, but generally you respect what they're telling you mm-hmm. and match that and you'll come real close. And the ratio that they're doing is the same ratio that we're doing on a small size, so right. it's just kind of right. a given that, that... Well, the interesting thing is, you know, when I scale up a homebrew recipe to, you know, full commercial size, yeah. I tend to back down on the specialty malts a little bit. 
Okay. But, you know, going from commercial size down to the home for batch, we haven't been doing that. Hmm. And we're getting clone results. So I'm not so sure, you know, it's necessary. I think maybe, you know, we're designing these homebrew recipes too bold okay. to really be, you know, acceptable commercially. I don't know. So when you say cut back, like 10% on your specialty malts? Or? Yeah, it, it depends. Like, you know, you'll have, oh, it's, you know, 48 or, you know, it'll be, you know, 60 pounds of, you know, 58 pounds of something. It's like, okay, well, a 55-pound sack is plenty, you know. So you'll just round down a little bit because, gotcha. you, you know, you deal in sack quantities for, for all those. I wonder if that too bold, you know, flavor that you're talking about can sometimes explain why we go, okay, well, this homebrew is cloned. But it's the fresh, the freshest example ever, so it's really bright and beautiful and perfect, and so we kind of make these excuses about age. Mm. Do you think that maybe it's that it's also a little bolder than the the commercial beer? No, because we're okay. If anything, it should if if it held true, then it should be weaker. It shouldn't have all the flavor. I see. Yeah, you know, okay. where you know oh. the assumption is, oh, you're extracting more flavor with this commercial equipment. Got it. <laughs> and maybe, you know, when you're steeping and things like that, when you're steeping grains and doing the extract, then, yeah, I, I think maybe that's the case. You're not quite getting all the flavor out of those steeped grains. Well, I but think when, our efficiencies you know, tend to be lower, too. So we're, we right. may be bolder, right. but I think we're losing efficiency. I mean, we got yeah, more that's efficiencies. A good, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, right. for instance, the Union Jack, uh, oh, Union Jack clone. Uh, I never tasted two beers that tasted so much the same that were actually brewed in two different places. And yeah. that was my clone mm-hmm. and that Union Jack beer. And uh, I agree with that too. That's another. That's a, that's a big brew house and in a, in a straight right. scale down. Uh, and we wouldn't change a thing. I mean, the beer was just spot on the same. Well, there's not a whole lot of specialty malts in there. That's true. That's one thing. Mm. So. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll uh, continue with our investigation into how we make it work. Back after this. Hello? Hey, Drew, it's Push. You want to do some lunch? Oh, uh, can. I'm reading something important. What? Hello? John, it's Push. Want- hey, this is John, and I'm busy reading right now, so please... What is going on? This is Sven. Hey, you busy? Yeah, I am. I'm reading Gordon's new book. From Brewers Publications and the only home brewer to win the coveted National Homebrew Competition Ninkasi Award three times comes a complete look at technical, practical, and creative homebrewing. Brewing Better Beer by Gordon Strong. What sets this book apart is its insistent focus on what's important for the homebrewer. Like a great beer, it's extremely well-balanced. A mix of technical, practical, and creative advice that, if taken to heart, will make your beer a whole lot better. You'll learn Gordon's techniques and philosophy, recipes and tips to take your homebrew to the next level. Brewing Better Beer, master lessons for advanced homebrewers. Proudly available now from Brewers Publications. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. 
For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer and start brewing from the top tier. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to Riverside Dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farm within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy said. Last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in mowing. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. Ah! Ask for Mundins Malt and Malt Extract at your local home brew shop. Mundins. For brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Mundins. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. 
Podcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Dude. Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? We're back to the challenged. We are definitely challenged. Yes. Mentally challenged. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of mentally challenged. No, 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 no. Hey there, fellas. You're looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Uh-huh. Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for in the limited time only, you get about 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select one item at 50% off, you'll always also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free gift. So sensual, we can't mention on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no... We're not teasing. So, check out adamandeve.com today for your special offer. Give it to print all one item when you type in uh, CYBI. That's for Candy Bread. CYBI for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you got three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use the offer code CYBI. B.I. at adamandeve.com. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kept waiting for you to die. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that guy? Hell, I don't know. Sometimes Who let I'm him just, in here? Just channeling the I'll feelings. put him up for a BNA award. Though. He's our new spokesman. That might be one of the best reads of that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our new official spokesman. I like dirty old man all the way. <laughs> That's me. Dirty old man. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, while we're uh, you know we're talking a lot about ingredients today and and how the recipe goes, and I certainly don't want to leave out uh, probably the most uh, prominent ingredient, and that's water. Now I know you guys always ask the brewers how they treat their water, right? But that's really not everything, is it? Because even what you put into the water doesn't take out what their local water has. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to find out about, uh, you know, more about the water? Well, you know, a lot of times when you ask them, hey, how do you treat your water? They'll volunteer, oh, our water sucks, so we start from RO. Okay. If they don't say that, then their water's probably, you know, pretty average and pretty decent. And they'll just, you know, they'll say, oh, we throw <laughs> throw in some gypsum and we throw in some they almost uh, all say at least gypsum yeah 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 especially if it's a hoppy beer right and yeah almost always they're throwing in some gypsum and what's that for well to calcify the water and bounce out the sulfates right it's calcium well, and sulfate that's right? add some uh sulfur to it which you know sharpens the hop character as well okay that calcium so, helps clear the beer up then there's a lot of it's good for the yeast and everything so if you find out that they start with RO water, mm-hmm. is that a blessing for you guys because now you know you're going to have the exact same water, or is that a big pain in the ass? Uh, you know, I think you, you just need to be in the general ballpark. I don't think water is as nearly as important as people make it out to be. I know okay. people totally freak out about it, and water is important. 
But you just need to be in the ballpark, and the beer is going to turn out just fine, and it's going to taste like the same beer. If you, you know, people that worry too much about water, I think they end up making their beer taste bad because they start messing with it too much and putting too much stuff in it. Okay, I mean, it's yeah. a fine, uh, you know, it's just a fine adjustment is water. Yeah. Just cor- you really just correct. If your water's not good, then you need to correct it. Otherwise, right. if it tastes fine and you get the chlorides out of there, right. And then, then you know, the, like Tasty's saying, the amount of gypsum, just add some gypsum back and yeah. you're good. Yeah. So you feel like if there, unless there's something very, very special about their water, yeah. you don't feel like it's right. going to affect your clone all that much? No. Okay. No. Unless it was like a really, really light beer, a Pilsner beer and then of course yeah maybe right a little but not maybe even in if they're like yeah we use you know pure distilled water which no none of them would (laughs) because then they wouldn't get like fermentation flocculation you know okay they'd have all sorts of problems so you know generally not as big a deal as i think you know people make it out to be so a good example of that is the the last beer that I cloned, which was the Meantime IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you asked him about a- anything with the water treatments, he his uh, measurement for you was, well, I I put I do put in a crap load of gypsum. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you didn't even do a follow up question. So when I <laughs> called you and said, you know, I'm not sure what a crap load is. You and I just deduced. Well, let's see. A normal load would be <laughs> right. a couple of grams, <laughs> right. uh, you know, five or six grams. I so went you're... to the bathroom and <laughs> measured it out. Yeah, and said okay. So you just gave me some, uh, you know, you doubled whatever would be normal, and right, you said I'm right. pretty sure that's a crap load. Yeah, and I, and knew that it was going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. I think you're okay. close enough. You know, and and hey, you know, if you try it and it doesn't quite work out, maybe you have to brew it a second time. Oh well, <laughs> you know, it's I I I just don't think it's as you know quite as critical as some other things. Okay, all right. So that, those are a lot of parts of the recipe, and, and I've got a little more about the recipe itself, but there's one thing I think that, that we haven't covered, and that's extracting the recipe from a brewer. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Now, we kind of have uh, it a little easier nowadays than the, than the average listener because uh, at least a lot of breweries know who we are, mm-hmm. but I'd like this to be kind of answered on even the average brewer's perspective. You know, a mm-hmm. guy wants to go into his local brew pub right. and ask about a beer that he'd really like to brew, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that there are, are ways to do it and ways not to do it, and I think you've learned a lot, Jamil, oh, about, sure. about how to get it out. Yeah, I used to start with, uh, do you know who I am? <laughs> Yeah, and that really didn't work so well for me. You know? and, then, and then I switched it up, and I said, "Do you know who Justin is?" Yeah, that works. And that worked. That <laughs> worked, worked much, much better. Much, much better. <laughs> much, yeah. much better. They're like, "Yeah, we do." Get the fuck out. Right. Yeah. And then I said, "Do you know who Tasty is?" <laughs> yeah. And then I started getting recipes. Right. That really started working for me. <laughs> well, and I think that the the biggest thing is, and you know, I hear this. You know, I feel like I'm kind of you know caught between the two worlds a lot of times, mm-hmm. and you know the worlds of you know the home brewer and you know the pro brewer, and you talk to these groups ind- independently, and the home brewer a lot of times say, hey, you know, why is this guy you know not giving me the recipe? Why you know the, you know people getting worked up and and pissed off that they're not giving them the real recipe or something like that? And it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you know. So you know, guys doing you a favor, and these a lot of these guys. When you open a brewery, you're extremely busy. You're working your tail off trying to just make the thing go, because there's not a whole lot of money, you know, left flying around in a brewery. 
And so, you know, they're real busy, but they want they want to help out. And, you know, they're generous sharing people for the most part. And either they'll tell you, you know, no, we don't give it out. Or if they take the time to get it for you, you know, or say, hey, you know, just give me some time, I'll get it for you. You know, just leave them the time. And when they get it to you, it's the recipe or it's what they believe is the recipe. Yeah, you know, they have no reason to. Yeah, we've run into some places where if you talk to the wrong person, like the owner, they don't really yeah. know the recipe. Right. They, how it used to be. Yeah. yeah, they'll tell you, yeah, what they originally came up with, but lo and behold, the brewers have been slowly tweaking it to a better beer yeah. over time. So yeah. you really want to talk to the brewer. And now we're a short period of time. The reality is the production are you can't always get the malts you want. That's you can't true. always get the hops you want. That's an excellent You're point. You're compromising all the time. So when we actually get a recipe yeah. and, and and say you clone you take one of our recipes a year from now and you can't seem to clone the beer, there's a good chance they've changed that beer. Hmm. Especially if it's Lagunitas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and with shortages of ingredients and everything else. Yeah. 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 Right. right. So Especially it's hops. a moving target. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. That's an excellent point. Okay. So you know that from 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 that aspect of it, and again, you know, you want to ask them nice, be polite, you know, and then if they say no, just say, oh, okay, I understand. I really love your beer, and, he, and even if you are, they are giving you recipes. Say, you know, I just love your beer so much. I want to learn, you know, how to brew something like that. Yeah, it's not that I'm going to stop buying your beer, but I want to, you know, it's an opportunity for me to really, you know, try and, you know improve my skills to to brew something as great as as your brewery does yeah yeah and you know explain to them that it's a learning process it's not oh i just want to save i don't i don't want to pay for your beer anymore it's a great beer i I don't want to pay for it anymore give me the recipe it's you know i want (laughs) to learn from you right you know and, and this is my opportunity to see if i can you know improve my brewing process yeah and in so, fact, you do. Anytime you can clone a beer, commercial beer, you know, then you're you are improving your your process to the right, point where you're right. making uh, obviously clean beer. Because if you you get your beer besides their beer and yours is not clean, you're going to notice it really mm-hmm, quick. Mm-hmm. So. Well, well, here, well, ahead. just on the same note of 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 just making them know that you're a fan and you're trying to get a recipe out of them because you love the beer, not because you don't ever want to buy it again. There's a couple of things that I've learned, and and one thing I know that that you definitely changed that started getting us more interviews. So the first thing is is to be careful not to put the brewer on the spot. Right. And and we do this on the Sunday session too. We kind of had to learn, you know, believe it or not, even though these brewers are in there brewing the beer day in and day out, they don't remember the recipe all the time. Mm-hmm. They, some of those recipes are fairly complicated. They have to go look at their brew log. Right. And right. and they, they're also it's it, sometimes they're a little embarrassed that they're that say say it's their most popular beer in the world mm-hmm. and they can't just spout off the recipe to you well i've noticed they can feel uncomfortable because they, mm-hmm. they just feel wow god i should know that i don't and they're apologizing to us well and they're also <laughs> thinking on the fly i need to convert from 100 barrels down to five gallons let's right. see they're gonna ask me you know to give that to them in homebrew sizes it's like no no no, no. just tell them look the e- what whatever's easiest for you yeah. You know, photocopy a brew log or, you know, just give me the numbers, you know, that, that you use as far as, you know, the grist goes, and I'll make the calculations. Make it easy. Yeah, yeah. Make it easy for them. Yeah. Again, they're real busy. Yeah. And and another great way to, to make it easy on them and to not put them on the spot, and then also, like Jamil said, to make sure that they have time. This mm-hmm. is something that we changed about how we do interviews, where we just started going, we would love to interview you about this. We'd love the recipe for this beer. You tell us whenever you have time. Here's our number. Here's the email. 
It's now it's up to you entirely. Mm-hmm. So we stopped saying, "Are you available Friday at six o'clock for an interview?" Right. And we started saying, "If you ever have any time to do this, we'd right. really love to find out." And I think that going into a brew pub with the same kind of question will get you a lot better results. Don't even mm-hmm. ask for it right there. Right. Just I feel like them. you come in and you say, "Hey, listen, I love this pale ale. Mm-hmm. If you ever have five minutes to sit down and, mm-hmm. and talk to me about the recipe, or email it to me, or anything, here's my card. Love mm-hmm. the beer. See you later." Mm-hmm. Right. Again, dealing, respecting their time mm-hmm. and just letting them know you're interested. Right. Chances are the next time they see you in the brew pub, they'll go, hey, I haven't gotten back to you yet. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. You know? and, and well, and if you, again, if you explain to them, it's not that I don't want to buy your, you know, I'm going to keep buying your beer, but I want to learn as a, as a home brewer, I, as, a, as a brewer, I want to become better as a brewer and I love this beer. And if I could make something like this and I think, you know, I've really dialed in my brewing process, can you help me? Yeah. You know, you know, if I, I, I if I know I'm going from a good recipe and a beer that I drink all the time, then I can see if I can get my process to match up. Then I know I'm doing well as a brewer. Right. It's not that I'm trying to, you know, compete with you or, you know, or I'm going to stop drinking your beer. It's just that, <laughs> you know, this is a beer I know really well because I drink a lot of it, you know. It also lets a brewer know that you're that you're passionate about what you're doing, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. helping you learn that. Because chances right. are he's pretty passionate too. Oh, yeah. And so you're letting him know it's just really going to help me grow mm-hmm. and learn. I think that's good. The other most important thing that I think you already said, Jimmy, I know you already said that I just want to point out again is is making sure that you state I don't need you to convert it to a five-gallon batch. Right. You know, just whatever you do. Yeah. But that leads me to a question for you guys. What do you do then? So they're giving you these, you know, these these giant recipes. You're just going back to your software and you're entering those quantities uh-huh. and scaling back? The easiest way, the easiest way I've found is, um, you know, you, you go into whatever software and you dial in, you enter in whatever the amounts are. And then just, you know, drop it down. If they've given you percentages, like they said, oh, it's 80%, you know, base malt. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, 5% this, you know, 5.5% that, 2% this. What I do then is I always use metric because metric is the way to go when you're dealing with recipes. It really is. Especially percents because that, you know, that, right. that says 100. Yeah. Right. So let's say they say 80%. I'll, I'll do 8 kilograms of whatever base malt. So I'm, okay. you know, and then if they say 2%, well, um, that is 0.2 kilograms. If they say 5.5%, then it's, um, you know, 0.55 kilograms. Okay. So you just enter in the numbers like that. For whatever ingredients, and it's going to come up with some ridiculous gravity, right? Okay. For whatever volume, maybe you're starting at five five gallons, then you just uh, you know adjust up for volume until your gravity matches the gravity that their starting gravity that they've said. Oh, so you okay. so that's a five gallon start. So you might go all, right, all so the I'm way doing, up to yeah. I'm doing five gallons, and I I type in eight kilograms and whatever they use. I don't know. But 80% becomes 8 kilograms, and 5% becomes 0.5 kilograms. And I enter in all the percentages that way okay. of these various malts. And then I just increase the batch size until your starting gravity matches the starting gravity they've said. They said, oh, we're starting at uh, you know 10 Plato or 12 Plato. Okay, when it matches 12 Plato, what they've said... Mm-hmm. Then my batch size may be 23 gallons or, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Then, at, at 70% efficiency. Right. You notice in the interviews, we never ask them what their efficiency is. Yeah, was. who cares? They don't care. 
Okay. It's whatever efficiency you use. And then you go ahead and start scaling down the recipe until it matches your whatever size you want to use. I see. But all your ratios are correct and everything, and you just scale it down. So it's very important that you take their percentage uh, quantity in this case, and they're they're really not lying to you about their gravities. So you have to enter those two things first. Right. And then start to move it around. Yep. Okay. And then you adjust from there. Or if they give you, it's 100 barrels, it's like a barrel in the U.S. <laughs> and you need to differentiate if you're talking to a brewer you know, overseas or in the U.S. All the U.S. ones are going to use U.S. barrels. And they're going to tend to use SRM and Love a Bond. You know, overseas, they may use, like, you know, uh, imperial barrels or some other measure, a lot of times hectoliters. And you will need to calculate from there. Okay. But you go ahead and, you know, enter in, you can enter in that volume for your batch size and then the actual amounts that they put in. I mean, essentially just write down all the things that they do and then dial it down for, okay. for yours and that should work as well. But use kilograms because then when you go to measure it out, instead of saying, well, a half pound is fine, just say, no, no, no. I want, you know, 221 grams of, you know, whatever mm-hmm. malt. And, you know, that kind of precision just helps you. Well, then if you, do, if you find yourself rounding at that level, it's not going to hurt you because you're rounding at a really granular level right, rather right. than ounces or something. One one question I have, because I don't make these calls that you guys have to make sometimes to, to ask for the recipe, but what do you think the reasons are that they won't give us the recipe? What, what is, what's, the th- what's the thinking of those those types of people? What are the, what are the different mindsets that uh, they're using there like uh i assume some are saying well if i gave my recipe away my competitors would be making my beer i I think that you know they actually think that their competitors would really want to be making their beer i mean something like it maybe but not their beer i mean yeah, you know, starting up a a a new brewery heretic brewing for instance um yeah come on i have your recipes yet yeah well and i was going to say from the from the pro side of it you know, like I said, I've, I've been between, you know, the homebrewer and the pro yeah, side of it. And yeah. from the pro side of it, you know, these folks are passionate about your beer. You know, they are not asking everybody, give me your recipe. They are asking yeah, you yeah. and you alone. You know, it's not like they're going out and asking a hundred different breweries. Maybe they ask another brewery about a specific beer, but they are asking you to help them, you know, learn more, and they're passionate about your beer, and that's why they're talking to you. So, you know, you should be, you know, pleased that that they they love it that much that they'd go to this trouble, and you know, not be, you know, thinking, oh, you know, another damn home brewer that's going to tell me, you know, how to brew my beer. They're actually, you know, passionate about your beer as it is. Great. So much so that they want to try and learn how to do something like that. So you know, don't be don't be so uh, put off by it. And I think, you know, like Tasty's saying, why do some not give the recipe? I think for the majority, it is I'm too busy. I just don't have time for this. You know, I've I've got to keep the beer going out the door. Yeah. I've got to keep the business going. I have so much to do. I don't have time to mess with it. And Frank, you know, they may not even know what it is at that point in time because it does change over right, time. Right. Well, and, and then you become you could be talking to the head brewer. Now he he's not he doesn't really know exactly what where it's at at that point in time. He knows yeah. if changes going taking place or something. Well, I think it's a multiple multitude of things. I think um, you know, one they're too busy, and I'd say to them, hey, what you need to do then is do a can you brew it. 
And that way, hey, if you got a beer yeah, that a lot of people asking. are asking yeah. for it, you know, just uh, Duquesne, you brew it, and then... Um, you can always refer. Yeah, and then just point no, them to I've, it, some and they'll answer all me, the questions They just point, point them to our show. Right, yeah. exactly. And a lot of them, they go, hey, and I've had people respond back with, cool. so if I do the show, I can just point people to it, mm-hmm. you'll have an archive of it and all that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. They, they, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> you know? I've never given right. it away before, but we'll right. do it Pe- now. People yeah. stop asking me about it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just a, you know, it's so busy. There, I think there is a small slice of breweries out there that don't want to tell you what the recipe is. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in a lot of cases, I think it's just they've kind of gotten lucky on, you know, developing this recipe. And they think it's, you know, something, you know, God's gift to beer or whatever. And they're afraid that if they let it go, they've lost the only thing that, you know, makes them special. Now, and, I was going to say that that same thing. And and I was going to say, I don't even think that it's just the whole beer then. I think most often when people don't want to give us the recipe for, for that reason that they're, that they're actually holding something back, it's more that they have stumbled upon some technique or some combination of ingredients in the process that's maybe. great. I don't think they're ever worried that someone's going to go brew that exact beer again because it, it's who wants two of the same beers. Yeah. I think they're more worried about that one little combo or one little technique that they discovered that they use in several beers or in, mm-hmm. that they really like J- like Jamil says sets them apart. I don't think anyone's ever really worried. Well, look if I give I, you that know, again, you know. I don't think it's that unique. I think you know they think it's unique. <laughs> they think it is yeah. sure. Yeah, and I don't mean. I agree with you 100%. I don't mean that it is. It is. Right. I mean that, but for whatever reason, this little magic combo that they've never heard anyone else talk about is their thing. Yeah. So I don't think it's that they feel like everyone's going to go steal the whole beer. I think it's that one little thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other side, the only other reason I think so, uh, and I definitely agree with the busy one, is just that it's kind of fun sometimes. I think well, I in think the, the case stone of Stone, yeah. it's just kind of fun. Oh, yeah. That's, Aaron and Bastard just things all for fun. Boy. They're like, well, why why won't Stone give you the recipe? I'm like, oh, they're just they're having, just having fun. fun. It's yeah. fun. They're, they're just, it's just, that's yeah, part of their the thing, too. Yeah. I mean, that's how they are. I mean, the but black magic part of it, right? Like, yeah, right. Ooh, what are they doing? They tell that's us about everything cool else. Thing to have, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, they'll tell us all the other recipes. Once you get the recipe, go, oh, that's it. But I tell you this if we actually clone this beer, that we may have actually make we will make a change. That is, it, it will be known then. I hope right. so. You know well, they'll, they'll, ever, we can they'll just it. deny because that's well, fun no. too. Okay, they can either deny it say, or they well, can confirm it, but it really doesn't matter. Well, if we gonna, call it cloned. I think we you know, people I, will respect our honesty here. <laughs> right. That's why I want to have this cloned. beer voted on at the National Home Brewers Conference. Right, right. So I'd have these thousands of others home brewers saying right. yes, cloned. Right, and then now who cares think? what the recipe is? Because that's the recipe. <laughs> it's, it's the recipe. I know. They, might say, well, well, uh, they might as well change their recipe to match exactly, ours. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, there's one more reason that I've run across, and I won't say who exactly I've run across it with, but I, and I think it's a legitimate reason. I think it's kind of a way of life thing. I call it the it, you're you're being like my dad, and that is. I worked. Oh, I, I worked, worked for this beer, and mm-hmm. you should go work for it too. And it's not being an asshole or anything else, but it's go do your homework, go figure it out, because right. that's what I had to do to come up with this great recipe, and that's what I want you to do also. And I've run into that on, right. of, on quite a few occasions, and I'm actually I respect that one because I feel like hey, I, I'm with I, you. I, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm with it. I respect it. Yeah, that's 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 okay. I, I could see that. I think what all of these answers have said, though, is it's 
It's really never that someone just wants to be an asshole. It's really they just have various reasons. I don't to know. Not the last one's kind of a little bit like that. <laughs> yeah, my dad was a bit of an ass about that stuff <laughs> right. too. Uh, but it was a yeah. No, no one held my hand through this. I'm not going right. to hold yours. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Nancy boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, it's a multitude of reasons. And the the point is, if somebody's not going to give you the recipe to it, would you walk up to somebody and say, you know, give me $100? No. And if they said no, would you be upset? No. You'd understand Why? Why? Because... That hundred dollars is theirs. They work for it. They own it. It's in their pocket. Right. Why should they give it to you? Right. Okay. So if somebody tells you that about the recipe, it's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, thank you for considering or whatever. Be nice about it. Don't be a dick. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing you need to learn. If you're asking somebody for something and they say no, <laughs> it's their right to say no. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't go and ask somebody for their car and say, "Give me your car." Yeah. And they say no. Would you be upset? No. It's the same thing on these recipes. They are valuable to people. Yeah. For whatever reason, a lot of people are willing to share. Be nice. Be polite, and you'll be you'll be just fine. But if you're a jerk, then you don't deserve the recipe, anyways. You don't get mad if the barbecue joint that you've been going to for years has a barbecue sauce a recipe that's sauce. been handed down right, for right. generations, and yeah. they say that's a family secret. You uh-huh. don't get mad about that. You right. respect that. Exactly. So, yeah, because because brewers given them away a lot, right? We sort of like expect they all will, that's, and that's, that's true. the difference. Yeah. yeah, that is the difference. Yeah, see, I think the, the whole heretic thing we're not giving away anyway. <laughs> You're going to stop right now. You know, work for it yourself. Go, the go listen route, to the huh? shows. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's too late, Jamil. The book's already out, man. Everyone's got your recipes. <laughs> it's just what you do to tweak them now. That's right. We're changing things up. <laughs> all right throw all that away let's take a break and when we come back uh maybe some listener questions or what have you back after this with california in our rearview mirror brewing tv is getting back to what we like to do most brewing over the top beers and hanging out with the dolls in our latest episode dawson pulls out the double d yep that's right a double decoction Ooh la la we brew an all-day Dunkel Keller beer, enjoy an unorthodox black and tan, and check it out. The Predator shows up for a snowball fight. Episode 34, Decoction Day. Online now at brewingtv.com. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood, and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnesis on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks! What do we have here, Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy! We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. 
Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it tasty. All right, we're back. She's so cute. Darling. <laughs> the second tasty girl? Yeah. Yes. Very cute. I'm going to find her father. <laughs> Work him over. Right. Maybe me and another guy. So it'll be like a, a three-way tag team? <laughs> Something. Yeah. Dad, that's disgusting. They see need someone quicker than he is. I see he shaved his head, that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For charity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he actually asked me about that. He's like, you have a problem with me shaving my head? What the hell's going on with that? He has to ask. With, uh, you know, the, well, he's representing heretics. I know. He is ugly with a bald head. Yeah, but I'm a, 
Sounds good to me. Right. Shave away. Shave shave your whole body. Shave your hairy ass while you're at it. Tattoo Ooh. that head. I don't care. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> bother me. You're looking like a freak. You're just a computer cool. geek behind this operation anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I, well, I tell you, I, you know, I worked in software for a long, for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about some freaky looking people. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think radio has some ugly people? <laughs> Computer programming has uglier people than radio. Yeah. I'm telling you that. that you I know, can imagine and, those conventions. You know, really bad hygiene. Oh, and, oh, uh, you know, people, we used to have people bring in like beds and cots and stuff in the in their cubes because you're working just insane hours. Yeah. They go sleep in there. Yeah, the less you life know, you have, the more you work. They don't yeah. wash. <laughs> just like, oh. you know, just some really freaky people. Wonderful people. I mean, you know, down to the core, great folks. But, you know, like socially, you know, if you're clean. A lot of dirty acceptable. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's gotten a lot more, you know, since Bill Gates come on the scene and, you know, got all that money and made computer programming cool right um then it kind of changed up a little bit yeah. and those people you know now they're a, a different, well a different crowd of people came in yeah or maybe they were you know led to believe that software was cooler so they were you know more they're wearing trendy clothes no, and I they're, see. they're doing things like bathing <laughs> they're able to speak but still on the socially awkward side they make jp look like paris hilton I mean, even the good I don't ones. Know. Some of those software folks now, they're they're yeah. just like you know rock stars. I see. You know, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, gone are the good old days where computer programmers were total geeks. <laughs> okay, just a couple more things to cover on the recipe side, and then a good question from the chat too. But um, you know, we we talked about a lot of the uh, the main ingredients, but what about other ingredients? Uh, you know, sometimes there are different adjuncts or uh, coffee used mm-hmm. in some of the beers we've done. Um, so a couple things about this is, uh, does the source matter on some of these other ingredients, and how do you adjust for those? Well, look back at the Wake and Bake Stout that we did from Terrapin. Yep. Uh, Spike gave us the recipe, and he even told us about the, the coffee and all that. And you can actually order the coffee that they use in their beer. You can order from their site. Okay. And for some reason, we didn't do that. <laughs> we thought it wouldn't matter. Yeah, we just tossed in whatever coffee, and then everyone's like, oh, it's green grassy kind of you know some you and and somebody else was really complaining about the the coffee flavor yeah and how about the magic hat number nine that was a fruit uh we had flavoring we had to add to that uh, peach right yeah or apricot what was apricot. it apricot, apricot. apricot. Mm-hmm. yeah and that we had to make a choice whether to add the aroma or the our flavor version of the uh, right because because all those uh extracts and stuff they you know there's multiple versions of them some of them have great aromatics some of them have great flavor they're all different okay so you know finding at the source of of their extract will will you know make a difference to you i think okay otherwise we've got a real trial and error thing just like we've had here yeah i mean if we did the wake and bake again we'd go back and and source the coffee buy the coffee yeah okay Yeah, that that made a big difference i think you know when they're talking fruit or things like that you know natural you know whole fruit or something that is really tough because you know the local growing conditions affect the flavor of the fruit you know surprisingly and, um, you know, uh, a raspberry grown, you know, here or there, uh, you know, can, can make a big difference. So, you know, that's, that's something, but on the other hand, you know, the fruit that they use year to year changes and, you know, they may actually, 
you know, so you need to cut yourself some slack on something like that, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. But one thing you do always ask that I think is important here, if you're asking for recipes too, right, is is what form of that ingredient they're using. Right. Um, because even with coffee, right, it seems simple. But is this ground coffee, or are you brewing coffee and putting that in? So, and right. same with like extract How or real fine fruit. How are you grinding it? I yeah. think I asked Spike. You know, it's like, yeah, tell me about the grinds and right. cold steeped or yeah. yeah. What temperature are you using? Are you brewing it and adding it? You're doing cold or whatever. That makes a big difference. Yeah. Okay. So just knowing that someone has a coffee porter is just not even close to enough. Right. I would. I would. You know, again, ask a lot about the process and the source of those things. I think that makes a big difference. All right. Okay. And a good question that came in from the chat before we wrap things up. Uh, Jay Bear is in there, and he wants to know. He says, you guys never talk too much about mash ratios Mm -hmm. in the clone shows. Do you stick to a standard, or does that vary from beer to beer? Generally, I think it doesn't matter a whole lot. So, is this the water to grist ratio? Right, right. Okay. I, I assume that's what he's asking. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, if you go, you know, with a real thick mash, it's supposed to encourage, you know, more, you know, long-chain sugars. If you go with a thinner mash, you know, it's shorter-chain sugars. But the difference, and I've seen, you know, studies on this, the difference between one extreme and the other is really pretty small. And you don't even need to change like a degree of temperature to make, you know, as big a difference. Okay. So I, I really I really wouldn't worry about it. Here's an interesting uh, and an basically unknown fact about how I brew. And this is certainly true Naked. of all the, I knew that already. <laughs> certainly true of all the beers I've done for this show is I always use nine gallons of strike water. Uh-huh. Regardless of the gravity of the beer, hmm. yeah. so if I'm making a double IPA, well, double IPAs I can't quite do that, so I use DME in the boil. But if I'm making an IPA, it's just a thicker a grist, uh-huh. and if I'm making a uh, blonde ale, it's just huh. a thinner grist. I see. So no matter what, I never, the grain, I never knew that. See, there I you go. Never you, heard, you heard it here. Yeah, always. Nine, well, I, so why nine gallons? You got a pot that's because then I because then I can I, I just nine and then I like I can do I can mash about thirty six pounds of grain right my you know max. It makes with, your with water adjustments gallons. easier. Or yeah, everything. Yeah, when I, yeah, the water is always the same. Always, you know, and so I. Uh-huh. You know. Do you, do you fill up a certain kettle that well, nine is a good size for that? Or oh what? no, my kettle can do well. It's, it's, so we're talking. So when I have to, it's twelve gallon batch. So I do twelve gallons of sparge water. Uh-huh. So my batch is twenty one gallons of water, right? Uh-huh. But I'll put like nine gallons into my uh, high high temperature. Uh, Stronger burner uh, hot liquor tank, and I'll warm that up to close to my strike temperature. Uh-huh. Then I'll transfer it over to my mash tun, where it's, it's got a burner as well, and it's got a thermostat on it. So it'll I'll just out and I'll let it, uh-huh. you know, come up to where to where it should be right. for the strike temperature. But it's always nine gallons. See, and then as so- soon as I'm done, I add twelve gallons to my. Uh, Hot uh-huh, liquor tank, uh-huh. and then bring that up to sparge temperature. There's so many things that just don't matter. It doesn't matter. Is what you, that's right. the point I'm making. It's just like you know, it's all, it's, it's pointless. Yeah. What if to, you had a real about. light? What if we had challenged you with a very light session beer? You would have a pretty thin, uh, yeah. soupy mash, right? I don't think it matters. And you don't care. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, a gallon I think we're just two, saying not that big a it, difference. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I did the the fish alt, all those light beers. The uh, yeah, right. I yeah. think I think uh, I read Nebraska some of you, you go up to like a, you know a three to one. You know, we we talk about one point three. You can go up to like a three to one, and it still doesn't matter. Wow. You know, or maybe it's two and a half, something like that. Yeah. 
it's small it's vessel. A, it might matter more commercially than right. than in the oh yeah, yeah yeah you could you could double the amount of water you use and yeah. it's like eh wow well and um, I've totally lost my train of thought I'm sitting here about uh, the grist ratio or you had another uh, well efficiency is uh, kind of interesting too like a coarser Brian, mm-hmm, they were talking mm-hmm, about like a CBC and a longer sparge. Right, um, right. So there are some other techniques you can get better efficiencies. Yeah, there, it was interesting at CBC they were talking about, uh, you know, people you know, grinding their, their grist to, to powder, but they actually were increasing efficiency by grinding their malt a little coarser and not, not so fine. They, they actually saw their efficiency improve. And that was due to better uh, lottering? Better, better, yeah, better flow through the mash. Not as much channeling. Yeah, because the powder spots and yeah tends to compact form a brick, and then the, yeah, it just channels around. Now, it. what if what if you have rakes in your in your mesh? And that that's sort of like a different situation. I, I'm sure that helps, yeah. but you don't run the rakes continuously. You need a set of bed. Okay, yeah, but yeah. Well, at least I keep the rakes up. Right. I've seen people do that. Yeah, yeah. top third or something. Yeah. Right. So just to clarify, this is coming from the chat. So tasty is nine gallons of strike water for a twelve gallon batch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All the time. Every time. <laughs> they're asking specifically, you know, now they're going, well, what if Tasty did a Stella clone? Still, Would he still do nine gallons of strike water for a 12-gallon batch? Nine gallons. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you, the more you guys say doesn't matter, the more I like brewing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're so, well, the, the weird thing is, people, and this is, just drives me nuts. People, I get email after email about mash this, mash that, and, you know, these fine details. People write me three paragraphs about how their mash was, and then two <laughs> words about their fermentation. I'm like, you know, dude, you're an idiot. You're right. focused on the wrong thing. Who cares about the mash? It's just like soak some grain in some water, and it's done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it really doesn't matter a whole lot. Fermentation, and I think the reason we're having such success on Can You Brew It it's because all the people involved understand fermentation. And, you know, they get a proper pitch of yeast, and they temperature control and sanitation and, and all that stuff. And, and you know, nu- yeast nutrition. And then they, you know, they ferment really well. And the little things in the mash, who cares? Okay. It really doesn't matter. All right. The recipe matters, but the mash right. is probably not as important. Yeah, recipe matters. Mash, who cares? Um, you know, hopping is important. Boil the, the gravity. You got to get that right and everything. And then fermentation is probably one of the big ones. Okay. You know the yeast that that people use. That's that's a big deal. Okay. And a point you've made several times is say like a a beer like it is supposed to be ten sixty and it turns out ten fifty four doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Right. We were ten points, 10 points. off on one beer. It doesn't matter. And it was fine. We're like, yeah, that's totally cloned. Wow. It's just hard to tell. I mean, everything's there. Yeah, the you know, the amount of attenuation, a lot of stuff matters. You know? Okay. All right. Well, we've rambled on too long. I That'll do uh, the process side for now. Right. Of course. I know there's some things we'll the recipe after side. the show. Uh, sorry, the recipe side for right. now. Yes. I think we'll we'll come back and we'll do another show in the future about uh more about the process. I think we kind of dabbled a little bit in there, but uh, you know it's important to get the right recipe, sure. and uh, you know we'll see about doing the the process as well. I'll drop some more bombs too. Well, they like the, that one in the chat, by the way. <laughs> drop some more bombs in the bathroom. About my nine gallon. Well, they'll drop those. Some nine gallon. A bombs. lot of those. 
Yeah, the the, the toilet at the uh, Rat Pad is not going to be accessible <laughs> for the next uh, few hours. All right. If you get a chance, check out our sponsor, Northern Brewer, northernbrewer.com. There's a wonderful staff there willing to uh, reach out and help you and uh, check them out. And if you get a chance, check out the the network, uh, the Brewing Network store. It's got a lot of goodies in it, uh, hats, shirts, uh, books, glassware, all sorts of goodies that uh, go to help the uh, Brewing Network stay on the air. So uh, check it out if you can. Until then, Brew Strong. And off it.